It's my privilege to announce to you that the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is now available on Kindle. So you can get the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics in all formats now. It's available on Kindle, as well as paperback, hardcover, and you can also find it on the Nook at barnesandnoble.com. So please go and order your copy today and share it, or maybe you'd like to share it with a friend. Whatever the case may be, help us as we get the word out and let people know that we have a faith worth believing in. You are listening to the Bellator Christi Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo, and I'm joined today with Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Hello, Brian. Hey, Curtis. How you doing, brother? Doing good, doing good. Hey, I, hey before we get started, I, I got to play something. It, it, it kind of goes along with the topic we have today so I, I got a little clip can i play it for you right quick <laughs> yeah sure thing all right all right i'm done i'm done oh man oh man I guess, I guess nobody can tell which team you're rooting for. I, I don't know that they would. I, I don't know if it's the song or maybe the cheese head I have. I'm not sure which it might That's be. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Now, Pastor great. Lynn might might get me because I think he yeah. was pulling for the Seahawks, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. I, and it was funny because I, I told Chris, I was like, well, I said, Pastor Lynn just threw the remote at the TV. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's great. It's great. So, yeah, it's good times. Uh, so we want to welcome everyone. Uh, and I want to take a moment, uh, to invite you to nose around on the Bellator Christie website and, and check out the latest articles, uh, and, uh, and the archive podcasts. Look us up on Facebook and follow us. Um, Hey Brian, let's, uh, let's jump right into the topic of the, uh, for this, uh, for this episode. Um, and the topic we're going to title the theology of Aaron Rodgers. Fill us in a little, Brian. Why this topic? Well, absolutely. And and as we said, it's in the outset. I've got to say that you know I'm a big time Green Bay Packers fan. And 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 as as we mentioned before, we got ready for the podcast. We want to say that that we're not attacking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we're we're not attacking him at all. Uh, but recently, he apparently he and Danica Patrick are something of an item, and. Um, <laughs> Danica Patrick is uh, has a podcast called Pretty Intense, and on this podcast, apparently she's had this podcast out for a while now, and um, 
she interviewed Aaron Rodgers on this podcast, and they talked about everything from from uh, trends, relationships to to uh, to religion. And and Aaron Rodgers, I had always thought was a Christian, and it sounds like maybe he has a version of Christianity, but in the podcast he mentioned some things that. That, that that are very concerning, and and some other people's ha- mm-hmm. people's listen to me. Other people have have um, covered this issue, and uh, Curtis and I we we thought that this would be a good topic to cover here as well, because there's a lot of different areas uh, to cover uh, on, on Danica Patrick's podcast with Aaron Rodgers. Right, right, yeah. In reviewing it, uh, listening to it, um, there were some things that were striking, and they stood out. Um, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. So let's get rolling. Okay, so we'll play the clip, uh, and then we'll pause after certain junctures, and uh, then we'll kind of go back and talk about some of the things that he's discussed. So let's play the clip now. Patrick, and I'm pretty intense. Most people that I knew, church was just you just had to go. Your parents made you go. You wake up, you put some clothes on, you go, and you can't wait to get back and watch the second game of the day in the NFL on TV. But uh, I, I started going to Young Life, and that's where I met Matt Hawk, who you know, Matt. And Matt was leading our Young Life group there for a while. And he was the first Christian that I met where I was like, man, like, this dude, like, swears every now and then. He loves sports. He, like, coaches sports. He's, like, an, he's an awesome dude. Like, he's just a really rad guy to be around. Uh, I kind of like, you know, I, the way that he talks about Jesus and the way that he talks about um, what it means to have a relationship with Christ, like that's pretty cool. So, I enjoyed my time with Young Life. We did some amazing outreach stuff. Curtis, it strikes me there as we as it would take Paul's. You know, it, it's interesting that he he found this guy to be cool, even though he was cursing and and doing these different type of things. Which that makes me kind of wonder what type of youth group was this. Not trying to be right. condemn con, uh, condemn you know condemn them or anything like that, but uh, right. What's some of the things that struck you so far? Yeah, you know, um, when when we base uh, our our understanding of who Jesus is on uh, feelings or what other people think of, and not what the facts are, we tend to start uh, um, balancing it against what we may see in in the culture and in the world today. And so then that it makes us want to have to be. Uh, relevant to the world to make Jesus that cool guy that actually everybody wants to like. You know, you you have a good good point there, and I think that's the danger of of a lot of churches today, where we want to make the Jesus relevant, and and we may try different tricks and and do different antics to draw a crowd. But if the Spirit of God's not in it. Are, are are we really bring, entertaining people, or are we bringing them to Christ? Now, I don't know this young group, young life group, or anything of the sort, but it just there's some things that just make me wonder. I mean, it's, it's, it's just odd that this guy was cool because he was cursing, and maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. But yeah, he was he was into sports, and there's nothing wrong with sports. I've never been very good at them, but um, that's just that was just something a little odd that struck me. And, and I really like yeah. the point that you made about the entertainment aspect of it. Right, right, and and uh, you know we we do want to make it 
um, to where the kids feel welcome and they feel like they can relate. We, we want to be sensitive to that, but we also want to make sure that, that what they're being sensitive to or what uh, we're being sensitive to is just the fact that we can relate to them as human beings, as people and, and allowing them to see because Jesus was very personable in, in all of his accounts, in all of the stuff he was able to, you know, be in and be involved. I mean, he didn't get called the, you know, the friend of sinners for no reason, but those people that he was related or involved with, the, where the Pharisees were calling him, he's the you know the he's hanging out with sinners and uh, you know drink uh, drunkards and and sinners. Um, yes, he was, but those men got divinely changed, and they went out and changed the world. We're we're here today because they saw what Christ was really like. You know something that stood out to me in what you just mentioned there. I think you make a really excellent point there, is the fact that Jesus did make the message relevant to, to people in the aspect that he made it personal. And I think that's one of the things we see throughout the parables, that they he lived in a very agrarian area where, where mm-hmm. most people were farmers and fishermen, and so he used a lot of farming, fishing type of analogies in the parables to relate spiritual truths to them. So, yeah, I think you're right in, 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 in that aspect that we do need to reach out, but also I think there's a caution that I think we would both agree that we, we don't want to go overboard with the entertainment value uh, where we lose the impact of the gospel. So I th- think you bring out a good point there that there's a little bit of a balancing act we have to do in this regard. Right. Yeah, and you know, one of the biggest dangers that I see is all of a sudden we start diving off one end where we make Jesus this uh, super cool, relevant guy that's, you know, hip and he's okay with everything. Um we got to be cautious of that because, you know, here's what we find in the scriptures. Um, you know, he's, he's, he points out very pointedly um, to those that, those that uh, don't know him won't, won't be with him. And that's another aspect that we're going to get into with this, with this clip. Let's, let's, let's go on in this interview. Sure. You know, we went to Mexico during two spring breaks and build houses in like Florida, outside Tijuana, rough areas. You know, we we erected the, you know, from slab to walls to tar in the roof to stucco on the outside. Like we put together, you know, homes for these folks who were living in, you know, garage door sides, you know, thrown together and stuff. And that was meaningful. You know, that was like really meaningful work. And there's not really a young life for college. It's, it gets into more organized, you know, athletes in action or whatever it might be, campus organizations. And I just didn't find any connection points with. Now, I want to say something here, Curtis, that I think is very important. It, it mm-hmm. seems like that he had a connection with the funding and youth, but when he got to college years, he lost that connection. And it seems like the studies show that that's the, that's the time where we lose a lot of people in the church in the 20s during the college years. And so I think it's important that we're engaging college students and and growing people deeper in the faith during this time, especially as they're confronted with a, a growing ambush of uh, uh, anti, anti-Christian 
uh, beliefs that that the that the culture is throwing at us. So right. So right. Me- yeah. The um, you know, it's funny because you say that you know it's the college times, but if you listen to what 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 he said, if it was before that that he was kind of hanging his hat on this looks like it's a pretty good thing because it seems kind of fun. And then once he got to college, that was, that was, uh, an easy out for him. Yeah, and exactly. You, and you, you listen to Jay Warner Wallace and what he talks in, and they talk about, um, is in their latest book, him and him and John McDowell, they, they talk about, we're not losing people or they're not losing the kids in the, in college. We're actually losing them at twelve and thirteen and fourteen years old. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, and, and this is actually one of the things I cover in the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, because you, you, you're right. Because the the trends seem to be that at one point in time, the questions that were being asked in graduate level came down to the undergraduate level, and then at a certain point. You know the undergraduate level when they go to college and things of that nature, but now those questions are being asked by teenagers in high school, and I've even been told by some apologists who are working with youth that these questions now are being asked by individuals as young as elementary school age. That's that's the age my son is ten. And and yeah. people are already asking questions at that time. My son has asked yeah. questions that he had heard in school um, that that uh, that individuals talked about the existence of God and things of that nature. So um, right. it, it's there, and I think you make a good point on that. It's there, and this and and the individuals are getting younger and younger all the while. Right, right. Yep. Let's okay. Let's let's continue with those things and started questioning things and had friends who had other beliefs and uh, enjoyed learning. That's kind of a part of my life. Had some good friendships along the way that uh, helped me, you know, to figure out what exactly I wanted to believe in. And ultimately it was that uh, rules and regulations and binary systems um, don't really resonate with me. Uh, All right, hold on, just a time out there. He said something (laughs) we need to cover. Did you notice that he said, what works for me? Right. Yeah, what I wanted is what what I highlighted in that, you know. Um, I pinpoint on and yeah, it, it's what works for me and what I wanted. And that's, and that's that, um, that's the new, that's the new thinking coming in. Um, you know, it's, this is that, uh, uh, relativism that, that, that's really seeking in, sinking in. And I think it's dangerous. It's, um, you hear what he says in there, um, and if you pull back and, and go back into that podcast a little bit more, I'm picking up the fact that um, this, you know, he hasn't, he's only um, had an experiential uh, faith. Only thing that he's ever had. He's never, uh, you know, it doesn't seem that he's dead, uh, dove real deep into the scriptures. Maybe had a few uh, Bible verses here and there, but never dove really deep into the scriptures for himself. And, and pretty soon you start seeing when you start getting in and you start reading uh, some of the words of uh, you know that are in the in the Bible. It tells us you know <laughs> God is the ultimate. You know. Yeah, and I think this this comes back down to the point we need to hammer 
and 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 this is and again not trying to go back to my book but going back to my book <laughs> the layman's yeah. manual on christian apologetics uh which is by the way is on kindle now uh, just just for individuals yeah. who who uh, like to know that but uh saw that that's why in the first unit i cover the nature of truth because this is so important for us to understand that truth does not depend on what we want truth is what really exists um right it's 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 the it's the thing it's the things that or, or it, those things that are really real. That's what truth is. The things that really truly exist. I mean, right now I'm looking at a microphone. This thing exists. I I can see it. I can touch it. I'm speaking into it. Uh, you know, I have sensory experiences of this. But there are other ways we can know truth in other avenues. So it's not. It doesn't matter what we want to be true. What matters is what is really true, and that really I think is a huge point uh, that yeah. that needs to be needs to be dissected there. Right. Yeah. And like in your book, I mean, just for example, just open it up to page uh, seventeen. You go down uh, number five. There it says truth is not based upon emotions. Uh, you know, truth is not an emotional pursuit. And, and that's, and that's where we're at with this. You know, it's whatever's fitting what he wants, what he, um, whatever works for him. Yeah. And, and on page you, so I think you may have said 17 truth is not necessarily what makes people feel good. So it's not even what the majority says is true. Uh, and that's one of the things in American culture we, we normally think, well, if we take a vote on it, then that's what must be true. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's true. Uh, right. What really matters is what really exists. Is there a God? And I, I think we can show quite convincingly that, yes, there is a God. Did Jesus die on a cross? I think we can show that very convincingly. Did he raise from the dead? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think you can yeah. show that with strong uh, fortitude and strong evidence that he did. That's the thing that really matters, not what we want to be true, right? But what is really right. true, right? And that's and that kind of falls into the you know the the common uh, the common trend that's in the culture today. Um, we're taking Jesus and we we uh, we like him as a person or whatever, and we make him into whatever Jesus we want to have, and that's what we're going to hang our hat on. That's what we're going to believe in. Exactly. Well, all right, let's let's continue on and see what he has to say. You know, enjoyed learning about other religions and meeting the Dalai Lama. And, you know, it's been a, a fun path to to a different type of spirituality, which uh, which to me is more. It's been more meaningful. Would you just would you separate the two being spirituality and religion? Like you were religious and now you're spiritual. I think both can work for people. I do. I think some people just need structure and uh, they need tradition and stuff, and that that works for them. And I don't mm-hmm. have a you know, a problem with it that doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. How far back can you go and identify like, yeah, I thought it was weird when I was four, like or whatever. Actually, let, let, let me stop her right there uh, before he answers <laughs> that question because I, I, I want to. I want to make mention on something that you hear quite a bit, and that's this differentiation between religion and spirituality. Uh, right. 
religion, according to the Oxford Dictionary and according to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, religion is a set of beliefs that one holds sacred. Now, some people have argued with me on this, but if, if that is the definition we use for religion, then even the atheist has a religion. If, mm-hmm. if what we're talking about is a religion, is a set of beliefs that a person holds sacred, then every single human being has a religion. They have a philosophy on life. Spirituality, I think, is what they're talking about, is, a, is maybe, maybe a relational aspect uh, in that regard. Now, it can mean different things to different people, and one thing I would want to do is to ask Aaron Rodgers the classic question that Greg yeah. Kokel tells us to ask, <laughs> what do you mean by yeah. that? You know, What do you mean by that? Yeah. And so that is a question I, th- I don't know that we can really answer as to what Aaron Rodgers meant by that, but he does seem that he... Maybe he's differentiating between a set of beliefs and the relationship a person has with the divine. However, he's still promoting a form of religion. If we understand religion to be a set of beliefs that a person holds sacred, then even Aaron Rodgers has religion. And anyone who says they're spiritual but not religious, they're fooling themselves because they do have a, they do have a religion. The question right. is, does their religion align with truth? Right. Right, and you know the the dangerous the dangerous thing you start drifting down, um, start really uh, looking into this and understanding um, this move into um, spiritual but not religious. All of a sudden, that takes on a whole big spectrum, but there's no defining moment. It's like, okay, what are you holding on to then? And it's it, they they they. Um, they really, people, when they say that they're, what they're really kind of holding on to is at that moment today, this feels good to me. So tomorrow, if that spirituality that they're saying or holding to, um, starts feeling a little goofy or starts, uh, going down the wrong way, or maybe it doesn't work for them that day or that moment then they're ready to move on to something else. And so it's really a, a moving target to try to find. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think you're right, a moving target uh, that, that you can't really ever hit. You know, I think, right. I think you're right. Yeah, I think uh, Jay Warner Wallace says it uh, best. He says that's like, uh, or Frank Turk, I can't remember which one it says, but it's like... Uh, one of those guys. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we hold to a... Uh, a factual truth with the scriptures, and that's like a bullseye being on the wall, and you throw the dart at it and hit the bullseye. Where um, this spirituality starts coming in that 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 we're kind of talking about here is we throw the dart at the wall, then we draw the bullseye. Mm-hmm. And, and and those two, I think, are completely different. I think it's the Texas sharpshooter, if I'm if I'm, if I'm understanding you right, <laughs> where you uh, and that, that comes from uh, manipulating the data to make it say what you want it to say. Kind of comes from a uh, if it's in the appendix of the book. It, it's it's the the notion of a guy who says he's a dead eye with a, with a pistol and he shoots towards a barn. <laughs> And wherever the the bullet hit, he draws the bullseye around it. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. He's not actually shooting towards the bullseye. He's making the bullseye around where he shoots. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. And that's and that's what a lot of people do when it comes to this issue. Right. Right. So let's let's continue on here. Hold on just a second. Uh, 
There we go. So we rewound a little bit. It resonate with me. Yeah. How far back can you go and identify like, yeah, I thought it was weird when I was four, like, or whatever. Is there an example? Can you identify when the skeptic and the questioner in you was really yeah. present? I mean, high school for sure, because I had two groups I was going to. I was going to, a, to church on Sundays and then to Young Life on Mondays. And Young Life on Monday welcomed everyone. You know, it's like, right. come as you are. Be there at 729. Yep. and like be ready for some fun and it was fun and we had a great time church on Sundays was like more you know make sure you dress a certain way and right. don't bring that person and this person's gonna get looked at strangely if they show up and yeah. I think you know again it's very black and white uh, binary in binary sense but I don't think it's very welcoming uh, really now uh, uh, here's a point where well, he keeps mentioning binary uh, yeah. And here I think he's talking about light, dark. Um, I think it was me. My phone did something weird. But light, dark, and um, good versus evil, um, and things of this nature. But but the Bible seems to present things in that way, that there, are, there is a good, there is an evil. So just because something is binary doesn't mean it's wrong. Now, sometimes maybe we can make the black or white fallacy where we make things either or when it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. But there is an area here where I would have to say that I do kind of agree with Rogers uh, in the sense that, and this isn't true of all churches, I'm, and I've, I've seen your church online. I haven't been to your church, Curtis, but your church seems to be very welcoming of all people. And, and, and I think many churches are welcoming. However, there are some churches that aren't. And mm-hmm. I don't know what church Aaron Rodgers went to. You and I, we mentioned before the podcast that we have kind of an idea, something he's going to say a little bit later makes us kind of inclined to believe uh, that maybe he went to the Jehovah Witness Church. I don't know that. But um, mm-hmm. it, it is. It, I do have to agree with him on this point that if we aren't welcoming individuals who are in sin, that that we may be casting a negative outlook on people. And and the way I understand Scripture is that the church isn't for the well, as Jesus said. It's a hospital for the sick. And right. so so everyone should be welcome to come to church. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that everybody's going to be a member if they're not, um, you know, if they're not a Christian or if, you know, certain things like that. But it, 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 it is... I think he does have a point there that sometimes maybe we do build rules and regulations to a point that that uh, maybe we're not welcoming people as we should. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, kind of. I want to step back a little bit before I kind of go into that, but um, you know, he talks a lot about <clears throat> this binary right and wrong and and heaven and hell and dark and light and and these kind of things and 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 I and I. I'm going to make a point that if that that may kind of be very stark or very harsh on this, but here's here's my point here. Okay, he says, you know, all this binary stuff, it's either this or that. Well, we can also take that to something that he holds very dearly, something that he's very good at and does a very good job at. It's either he does make the first down or he doesn't. Oh, that's very true. So, so, so 
when when you look at these kind of things, our world is very binary. Our world is is very yes or no, right or wrong. We all know that intuitively, and we see it. Either he either made the touchdown or he didn't. Um, you know, they either won the game or they didn't. And that's a binary thing. That's a binary thought. That is an excellent point, Curtis. Excellent point. Because you're right. I mean, because you can't have – I mean, theoretically, you could have a tie in, in regular season. But in the NFL playoffs, you have to have a winner. So right. there is a winner. There is a loser. That is a very binary thing. Uh, there is right. a first down or there's not a first down. There's either a first down or a fourth down when you have to punt the ball. Or you either go for the first down or the fourth down and you don't get it. You know, the ball turns over to the other team. Touchdown or no touchdown. So you're right. I mean, life itself works in that capacity. It's funny that it's only in religion and philosophy that we that we question right. <laughs> these these things. That's right. a very good yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, he would be very binary in how he drinks his coffee or, you know, how what temperature he likes it at. You know, either he likes it at hot or he doesn't. You know, and and so what what really kind of bothers me is it's like that's the only thing religion and, and spirituality is the only thing that that kind of is uh, given a, a free card. Mm. Just just, you know, and those of us that hold to a very binary thought in this we're the ones all of a sudden laughed at, scoffed at. If you hear later on in the podcast, they kind of get to snickering about it. And, you know, I can't believe that you guys would believe in stuff like that. And it's, you know, it really kind of, um, it shows that, um, that free card that, that I can just do what I want kind of free card. And I think that's what it comes down to. I think you're absolutely right. But on the flip side, I I, I will go back to the point and say that I, I think that, to be fair, I do think he does have a point that maybe sometimes we as Christians aren't as welcoming to people as we should. Oh, and, absolutely. And, yep. and and I also have to give a word here because I see this going on a lot on Facebook. And, and before anyone accuses us, we're not attacking Aaron Rodgers. We're we're confronting the issues, and so for someone comes on Bellator Christie say, "Hey, you guys are doing the same thing you say not to do." We're not attacking Aaron Rodgers. We care about Aaron Rodgers, and hey, I'm a Packers fan, <laughs> but no, all, all right. serious is football side. We care about Aaron Rodgers, and and the Bible tells us that we are to confront philosophies and and belief systems, and that's what we're doing here. But at the same time, I see it on Facebook all the time I, that we as Christians we're guilty of of firing at our fellow comrades in arms and and i think maybe that does leave a negative taste uh many times uh with people right a a bad witness for us in that regard yeah yeah we suffer under friendly fire quite a bit absolutely so let's continue on living can be a crutch can be a um can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better and because it's set a binary it's us and them it's saved and unsaved it's heaven and hell it's enlightened and heathen it's holy and righteous and sinner and filthy and that makes i think that makes a lot of people feel better about themselves is it oh you know i have 
you know, I got Jesus, and, you know, I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven, and there's only 144,000 of us going, even though there's 7 billion people on the planet, uh, and, you know, I don't know. Let me pause right there. and Let me say quickly here again that on another aspect, I think he does have a point where, um, let me just say there's a difference between Christianity and religion. Uh-huh. If you're talking about religion as not just the belief system, but a set of uh, a structure, rules and regulations and things like that, this falls more into legalism. I think what he's talking right. about is not Christianity. He's talking right. about legalism, and I think he's absolutely dead on the money in that regard. Yep. Jesus, 100%. Jesus, his harshest message messages were against the Pharisees, and he had the most in common with the Pharisees. And I don't think right. he did it out of hatred. I think he did it out of a love and compassion because he knew that their hearts were not right with God. They thought they were right with God, but they really weren't. And so Jesus called him out on that, uh, out of a heart of uh, concern and compassion. So I think he does have a point there as well. So uh, let me just turn it over to you. What what are your thoughts on this? And I want to look up a passage of Scripture right quick as you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, first, I want to kind of step back a little bit. In the beginning of that cut there, um, when, when you played it, um, he says, you know, religion is a crutch to some people. Um, and... Um, and football could be too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got all sorts of words for that. Um, I, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, religion as a crutch. And and the only thing that that came to my mind, or, or right then and there, was I'd like to have him say that to John Lennox. Oh wow! You know, have, yeah. you know, have John Lennox. You know, you want to hear him talk about this? It, it's it's um, impressive, very impressive, and. Um, I think that, you know, when we steep ourselves in, um, religiosity, we all of a sudden then, uh, worry more about the functions of religiosity and not, um, the actual true, uh, relationship that we have as an understanding, um, of who we are. I mean, uh, if, when we walk through the doors of church and um, we're not wearing the proper tie, the proper clothing or whatever, um, and, and, that's, and that's looked down upon, that's, that's getting into religiosity, I feel, very badly, um, and, and legalism, like you were saying. And, and i got to um, say a point here, too, Curtis, to, to brag on your church. I mean, I've never been to your church, but seeing the videos of your church and listening to the podcast from your church, it seems like you guys have a really good community together, really good family together, where people do seem to feel welcomed and, and people come as they are. And, and that's something that I think right. that every church should strive to have. Right. You know, and um, Lynn will be the first one. I'll be the first one to back it up. Um, many others will be, too. Um, yeah, come as you are. Come as you are. But I promise you, you're not going to leave the same. I <laughs> promise you, you're not going to leave without being changed and hearing the word. And and that's something that I think um, I think is missing in a lot of places. Um, it's more about, I need to fit... Uh, you know, this sermon into, you know, a 30 minute picture here and we need to have, you know, songs that run to this and, and, uh, we can only have this much, um, talk about other things, you know, uh, you know, updates and stuff like that. And that's all we can do where, um, you know, if, 
if we're if we're if we're uh, into the word and we're we're going through scripture and, and uh, the preaching's going on and we're writing it down, uh, we're begging. We're begging for him to go longer. We're begging for whoever's preaching, keep going, <laughs> go go go. You know, and uh, it, and it's because we're getting that in our system. We're we're alive because of that word. Amen. Now, Curtis, I've got to I, I got to mention something. He goes into the hundred forty four thousand, and this mm-hmm. leads me to believe that mm-hmm. he may have gone to a Jehovah Witness uh, right. church Bible gathering. I don't know what you call it, but but it makes me think that maybe he has because Jehovah Witnesses they they. Uh, they interpret Revelation chapter seven very oddly, and, and I yeah. want to read this passage of scripture. And because, as they teach us at Liberty, as Greg Kokel has said, don't read a Bible verse, read a Bible passage. So I want to I want to read this passage. Uh, this is in Revelation chapter seven. I'm going to read verses one through. I'm going to go ahead and go all the way to verse nine. He says, "After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth." Now that's not literal four corners. Four is the number of creation. So we're talking about four. He's talking about that they're standing at at the edges of creation. They're all over creation. Four corners of creation. Uh, restraining the four winds of the earth so that no wind can blow upon the earth or the sea or any tree. Talking about judgments being cast. And I saw another angel rising up from the east who had the seal of the living God. He cried out with a loud voice to the four angels who were allowed to harm the earth and the sea. This is a judgment of God coming. Don't harm the earth and the sea or the trees until we seal the servants of our God on their foreheads. This, This seal is identifying the children of God. Could this be a rapture? Could this be something of sort? I don't know. People interpret this different ways. But he goes on to say, or maybe he's just sealing the people who were on, left on earth and, um, mm-hmm. and and protecting those individuals who were left on earth. Probably that's what's going on. Uh, the, you know, I believe in a rapture. Some people don't. You know, whatever. Right. But right. but he says, don't harm the earth or the seed of the trees till we seal the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, this is towards the time of tribulation. This is the end time things going on here. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the Israelites. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's the number of the tribe of the Israelites. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from Gad, 12,000 from Asher, 12,000 from Naphtali, and then Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Okay? Right. A clear reading of this indicates that he's talking about Jewish individuals who were saved during this time. But if you go on to verse 9, this is the clincher. The 144,000 were sealed, but then he goes in verse 9, And then this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, shouting out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne of the Lamb. There are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people praising the Lord in heaven during this time. So the 144,000 is only talking about a specific group of people. In verse, All you have to do is read verse 9, and you see that there are many, many others who were saved, and not just the 144,000. So I think that's a very bad interpretation that's made by um, Jehovah Witnesses. I think it's also made by even some Christian groups, but mainly Jehovah Witnesses are the ones who interpret that passage in that way. 
Right. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing that really kind of sticks out when you start understanding what they're preaching and what they're teaching, um, they're teaching a whole different Jesus. Amen. Uh, It's, it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's not Jesus, our Lord. It would be more Jesus, our friend. And that's, and that's a dangerous, dangerous spot to be in. And they and they do the same thing that Arius committed in the three hundreds. They they right, make Jesus yep. being the first created <laughs> being and not the eternal God, the eternal Logos right. that you see in John. And right. uh, yeah, it, you know, I think you know when we look at that, uh, it says um, you know God gave His only begotten Son. Um, that's that word there is preeminence. The only, mm. that means. The first, the first one he gives right to, the one he gives all his rights to. Um, we see that in Scripture all the way along. Um, Jacob wasn't the firstborn; he was the secondborn. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, but he got all the rights. Exactly. You know? uh, so he, you know, and so we we got to be careful when we're looking at that. We really do. Amen. Let, let me wrap up the remainder of this video. Um, we'll get going here. All right. So he's got a, just a few more seconds, and we'll go ahead and conclude the video at this at this time. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet, you know, to a fiery hell. Like what type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell at the end of all this. Okay, so it, it, the clip doesn't mention it, but he goes on to talk about Rob Bell. Uh, if you listen to the entire um, conversation, which you can find it on YouTube, he mentions Rob Bell. And Rob Bell, uh, Curtis, tell us about Rob Bell right quick, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Rob Bell... Uh, writes about um, uh, universalism and uh, uh, kind of almost almost goes into um, kind of a modern spiritism or a new age kind of twist um, of his understanding. Um, preaches a Jesus and talks about a Jesus that uh, um, is is not um, not the Jesus we find in the Book of Revelation. <laughs> Amen. And there's something else that really, <laughs> really got under my skin. I'm going to be, be honest yeah. with you. And I think you yeah. know where I'm going with this. And he, he makes the comment to saying, why would a omnipotent, omniscient, loving God want to condemn most of his creation? The question is, does God want to condemn his creation? Hmm. Well, I think Ezekiel 18 gives us a good perspective on this. God is speaking through his prophet Ezekiel and says this in chapter 18, verse um, 20, uh, let's see, verse 23. Let me put this in context. So what he does here is he's talking about a man who lives in a wicked land. The, the, the man is a righteous man who lives, after, lives for God. God says even though he lives in a wicked land, he will give an account for his own actions. He's a righteous man. He's redeemed. 
the man has a son who's wicked. The, the, the man won't be responsible for what his son does when he's an adult uh, because the, the son will have to give an account for himself. The wicked son has a righteous son, and then the righteous son who lives for God won't have to give an account for what his father does. What he's simply saying is that each person is responsible ultimately for their actions in their life. But then he goes on in verse 23, and he asks this question, a rhetorical question. God says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes on to answer this in the, in the last few verses, in verse 30. He says, Therefore, house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. This is the declaration of the Lord God. This is God's appeal to them. Repent and turn from your rebellious acts, so they will not become a sinful stumbling block to you. Throw off all the transgressions you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So repent and live. Yeah, turn and live. So it's not the will of God that any should perish. Right. It's not God's desire that anyone goes to hell, because we mentioned this before the podcast. Hell was not designed for people. Right. So I don't know where I don't know where he got this this um this idea that God desires to condemn people. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Right. Yeah, and you know, um when you step into uh the the Kind of this, and I'll just say it how I, I kind of see it. Um, you you dive into this salad bar uh, <laughs> Christianity or salad bar spirituality. You just grab what you like out of everything. All of a sudden, there's no accountability. There's no accountability for your actions. You're only saying, well, it it's what I feel is right. Mm-hmm. That's what dives us into that relativism. Um, that 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 mindset that it only matters what I think, what what I'm doing for myself. What's really most important, I think we would both agree, is not really what we think or what we want, but what is true and what does God desire. And right, and I think we see in the scripture. I think in several different places. I mean, Jesus even says to Jerusalem, he he wails out to Jerusalem, saying, "How often I wanted you to to gather you up like chicks under a, a hen's wings, but you were not willing." So right. the desire of God was to save people. I mean, and and I think if you look at the overall theme of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, that's the overarching message that God is seeking to redeem a fallen people, a fallen land, a fallen creation. And so, <laughs> I, I don't, uh, well, I tell you what, I, I'm not a Calvinist, but I do appreciate this this statement. Let, let, let me just let this be my closing thoughts on this. <laughs> if God is this, This is R.C. Sproul as he's asked a question. Excuse me. <laughs> Since God is slow to anger... We're always learning. Since God is slow to anger and patient, then why, when man first sinned, was his wrath and punishment so severe and long-lasting? Time out. (laughs) Didn't we just have that question a second ago? 
We did. Yeah, it's a little, I think a little, we little did. Nuance. That God's punishment for Adam was so severe. This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. After that, God had said, the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And instead of dying, Thanatos, that day, he lived another day and was clothed in his nakedness by pure grace and had the consequences of a curse applied for quite some time but the worst curse would come upon the one who seduced him, whose head would be crushed by the seed of the woman. And the punishment was too severe? What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Yeah. And so I think that pretty much wraps it up. <laughs> Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. RC Sproul always has uh always has something good. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Well good. Uh Brian, it's been a good podcast and I I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um uh so uh we wanna end here. So Brian and I wanna thank you for spending uh, time together with us on our in our prayers. Um, or that this podcast will stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion in reliable information source. Join us next time on the Bellator 50 Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, hold your own. been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.